Chapter 12 Jesus Christ did not fight violence with violence. He overcame evil with patience and with love. We read that when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but put his trust in the one who judges justly. When the armed guards came to seize him, Jesus warned them, Don't you know I could appeal to my father, and at once he would send me more than twelve legions of angels? That would be an easy way to overcome his enemies. But he did not take it. As Peter drew his knife to defend his Lord, Jesus restrained him. Put your knife back in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? His example inspired a principle for all his followers. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The Apostle Paul pondered the afflictions of a world in pain, and all he had endured himself. Misunderstood, hated, beaten, stoned, imprisoned, and daily in danger of his life. Then he said, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. With everything that he has suffered, what can this poor homeless traveller mean by more than conquerors? Not just conquerors, he says, but more than conquerors. To be more than conquerors is to be triumphant conquerors, compelling conquerors, convincing and irresistible conquerors. Not just to pull through, but to prosper. Not just to win the battle, but to triumph so gloriously that others are won to our cause through what they see in us. When Paul and Silas could sing in jail after a beating, they were conquerors. But when they led the jailer to faith in Christ, they were more than conquerors. When the apostle and his friends survived shipwreck, washed up on the shores of Malta, they were conquerors. But when they won the affection and respect of all the Maltese people, they were more than conquerors. When Paul was stoned and left for dead, and yet continued with his mission, he was a conqueror. But when he returned to that same place and encouraged his disciples, recruiting one of them for his missionary cause, he was more than a conqueror. To be more than conquerors is not just to survive the battle, it's to gain some great and lasting blessing from the battle. When Stephen continued testifying as the stones struck him down, he was a conqueror. But when one of that angry crowd remembered it several weeks later and joined his cause, he was more than a conqueror. When Jesus himself stayed on the cross without calling on the twelve legions of angels to rescue him, he was a conqueror. But when, in that same hour, he won a Jewish criminal and a Roman soldier to his cause, he was more than a conqueror.
We are more than conquerors, not before the battle, or after the battle, but in the battle itself. Something is gained in the midst of the battle, and we carry it out of the battle with us. It may be a blessing to us personally, or to a loved one, or to a stranger, or to future generations, and we may not see it ourselves. But something wonderful comes out of it, through our perseverance and our testimony, our confidence and our hope, and very often, no doubt, through the love of friends who watch and pray and stand with us. By means of shipwrecks, imprisonments, riots and interrogations, Paul saw the gospel enter places and reach people who would otherwise never have heard it. From prison he told his friends, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. His bold example was contagious. He adds, Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. It is in these present difficult circumstances, in all these things, that we are more than conquerors. Not that we were more than conquerors when Jesus was with us, or that we will be more than conquerors when he comes in his kingdom. We are more than conquerors now, in the midst of this present, hostile, corrupted, worrisome world. Our own lives may be far less dramatic, yet we all face struggles of some sort. And in all these things, we too can be more than conquerors through him who loved us. We may face a sudden setback, or a sad loss, or a terrible bereavement. We may suffer ongoing conflicts, unresolved tensions, repeated illnesses, or permanent disabilities. Yet there will always be a blessing to carry out of the battle. In the midst of turmoil and trouble, we have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, because we know we are doing what is right and are assured he will work it all for good. As we read, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we know, whatever happens, we are secure in his love. As the watching world looks on, some may be moved to marvel and ask us how we manage to be so cheerful and so optimistic. How is it we face the same troubles as they do, without becoming miserable or bad-tempered? What makes us different? What is the reason, someone asks, what is the reason for the hope you have? So then we are told, in your hearts, Set apart Christ as your Lord, always being prepared to answer anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope you have, yet do it with gentleness and respect. If our gentle reply leads that inquirer to Christ, 
then certainly a blessing has come out of the battle. In our quest for understanding, we have seen a beautifully designed creation, now sadly damaged and under constant threat, yet still protected and sustained by highly intelligent systems of defence. Our experience of the natural world convinces us that in these days a wrecker and a repairer are both at work. We have personal experience of good and evil in the present, and we've learned much about it from the past. But the future is a different matter. The assurance that evil will come to an end cannot be inferred from the natural world, or from human history, or from our own experience. It's a promise we have from the Creator, who was there at the beginning, and who knows what lies ahead. I am God, he says, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. This is something we take on trust. We believe it because Jesus believed it, and so did all his earliest followers. Our hope for the future depends on the truth of what they taught. This means we live by faith. We are those who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the end of the age. We read that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This assurance and conviction give us great strength and stability. As it's written, we are always of good courage, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Many essential things in life are not visible to our physical eyes. We are unaware, for example, of the forces constantly at work inside us. You may feel a little tired, or sense a strange pain, or have a sudden sneeze or cough, but it passes and you think no more of it, unaware that you've just repelled a serious bout of influenza or colitis. Your immune system dealt quietly with the danger. It's just as Jesus said, your father knows what you need before you ask him. In the same way, we do not see what is happening all around us. My car was inches from a crash, and I never saw the guardian angel who pushed it back on course. You almost fell on the stairs, but a hidden helper placed your foot securely on the step. A rude message got lost before it could reach us, so we were saved from great discouragement and stress. You left the gas on by mistake and never knew who turned it off. A slate blew from the roof, shattering at our feet, and we can't imagine how it missed us. 
Our Father knew exactly what we needed at that moment. We are assured, the Lord is faithful. He will support you and protect you against the evil one. As most evil is invisible, we are wise to walk by faith. Indeed, we cannot safely walk by sight. We certainly can't insure against the microbes in the air we breathe. Nor can we dodge the hidden dangers that lurk in unsuspected places. Nor do we always know why things happen as they do. But we know enough to trust the one who knows everything and who has promised to watch over us. We have seen that the eternal God has purposes and plans. His ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts, and his plans for us better than anything we might choose for ourselves. In the Bible we see how he led men and women in the past, and their advice is clear. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Through chance encounters, changing circumstances, and the leading of his Spirit, he will take us to people and places he's made ready for us. So we read, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good things, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Every day, like Saul on the Damascus Road, we pray, Lord, what do you wish me to do? He will show us a need, give us a concern, open closed doors, create opportunities and equip us cheerfully to meet them. Yes, we are learning to walk by faith, doing what he has prepared for us to do and living each day to the full. If it happens that we suffer illness or accident or other hardships or sorrows, there are two things to remember. Firstly, that an enemy has done this. To confuse and upset us, to weaken our character and our confidence. And secondly, that our Father has the situation completely under his control. The limits are fixed and his angels and his people are at hand to help. When Joseph was sold into slavery, and then falsely accused, imprisoned and forgotten, he had no notion where all this might lead. But the Lord was with Joseph, and many years later he reassured his brothers, You purposed evil against me. But God purposed it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph had learned to live by faith, believing that when life seems to go all wrong, God will work it out all right. When disaster hits a family or a city or a nation, we may be sure the blow is planned and struck by powers of darkness. But it was allowed in that measure, not more nor less, by the creator and sustainer of the universe. 
and it came at that very moment, not earlier nor later, because through it something good and beneficial will be accomplished. In every difficulty we face, we learn to discern a purpose, not just for evil, but for good. The car will not start, so I can't be at a friend's wedding. But my family are really in greater need of me at home. My computer crashes and I miss an online conference. But truly I'm exhausted and badly need a rest. My finger is broken. But in the doctor's waiting room I meet someone who needs my help. My passport is lost and my mission trip cancelled so I'm kept safe from a serious accident or illness. We read, There are many plans in a person's heart, yet the purpose of the eternal God prevails. When more serious trouble comes, when we're deeply shocked by tragedy or bereavement, the enemy may tempt us to bitterness, to anger and perhaps to unbelief. But still we know enough to walk by faith, patiently waiting for the purpose of the Lord to unfold. In pain and sorrow, his grace will be sufficient, his strength perfected in weakness. And even in the valley of the shadow of death, goodness and mercy are following us all the days of our life. We know that our Heavenly Father will work it all for good, for us, or for others through us, in this world or the next. If I'm sure of this, I can thank him even for the troubles I face. They're all part of his unfolding plan, his good and perfect will. Whatever happens, we can be content and even happy as we walk by faith, trusting him and thankful for the blessings we do not yet see. It is written, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. At first, this way of living may seem strange, but after a while it becomes quite natural. Time heals and time also teaches many things. We read that wisdom is with the aged, and understanding comes with length of days. In later life, our physical energy may be somewhat less, but our spiritual strength and awareness are still growing wonderfully. So as it is written, we do not lose heart, although our outer self is wasting away our inner self is being renewed day by day. Whether old or young, our physical health depends on the condition of our physical immune system. We fortify it with a good diet, exercise and a positive mental attitude. In the same way, our spiritual health relies on our spiritual immune system. And this too can be fortified with a daily diet of Bible truth, regular exercise in helpfulness and a rejoicing prayerful spirit.
Spiritual health, like physical health, is our normal condition, and we thank God for it. In happy days and in hard times, we are fit and well, cheerful and consistent, living as we have learned to live by faith. In this troubled world, we are beginning to pick up the pieces and care for the casualties. With confidence in our spiritual armour, we've seen how to overcome evil with good, gently insisting on the truth and emerging more than conquerors. We've observed a wonderful change in people as we pray for them and as Christ draws them to himself. We've learned how to live by faith, holding fast what is good, led with assurance by the Spirit, and thankful in all circumstances. But we have yet to consider what may become our greatest strength and the best of all gifts for our family and friends. When tragedy strikes or stress becomes overwhelming, Indeed, when all seems lost, we are told these three remain, faith, hope and love. We know we are saved by faith, and the greatest of these is love, and we rightly hear much about faith and love. But what the world most longs for in these hard times is hope. To be without faith is sad. To be without love is sad, but to be without hope is pitiful in the extreme. There is nothing more miserable than a person who has no hope. And to many in despair, the most wonderful thing would be a sure and certain hope of happier times ahead. Almost everyone has lost a friend or family member whose place among them now is sadly empty. Trying to keep the memories alive, they wonder if their loved one is looking down and pleased with them. For many, there is a poignant sense of loss and a wistful desire they hardly dare define. It would be so wonderful to know for sure that the grave is not the end that when the heart stops, life is not snuffed out forever, that we may see our loved ones again somehow. Ezekiel is told that his wife is about to die. He will lose his lover and friend, the delight of his eyes and the yearning of his soul, the one who supported him through all the trials of his prophetic life. The death of his wife was a tragedy for him, as it has been for many others. But then Ezekiel is given a vision of the dead restored to life, and he hears these words. Thus says the Eternal God, Behold, I will open your graves, and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And Ezekiel saw, as in a dream, a field of bones. And the bones came together, and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, and they came to life. Never before in the history of the world 
had the resurrection of the dead been so clearly promised and portrayed. A widow had an only son who died, and Jesus saw them carrying the body out for burial. Gently he reassured the poor woman, Do not weep. Then he addressed the lifeless body, Young man, I say to you, get up. Immediately, we read, the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. A young girl had passed away, and Jesus told her family, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. They all laughed, knowing she was dead. Taking the dead girl by the hand, he said to her, Child, get up. She started to breathe and then sat up. Is it really possible for a dead person to hear a voice? Many have wondered, and this is what Jesus told them. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live a few were still not sure, so he told them again, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when not just one, not just a few, but all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. Then Jesus concludes, Those who have done good will rise and live, and those who have done evil will rise and be condemned. Our great concern should not be what happens when we die, but what happens when we come back to life. When Jesus comes into his kingdom, some will have a place in it, and sadly, some will not. To many he will say, Depart from me, I never knew you. He would like to welcome everyone. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. His invitation is offered to all, but many have never heard it. Some have carelessly ignored it, and some have proudly refused it. Perhaps they would claim they never felt weary or burdened. But in truth, they were unwilling to accept his yoke of discipleship and learn from him. Those who most gladly come to Jesus and seek his rest are very often those who bear wounds and scars suffered in the long and painful conflict between good and evil. Among them, as it is written, are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for what is right, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted for what is right. It is these poor, weary souls who are privileged above all others because they have so much to look forward to. 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They shall be comforted, they shall inherit the earth, they shall be satisfied, they shall receive mercy, they shall see God, they shall be called sons and daughters of God. And they have this wonderful assurance repeated once again. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Whatever sorrows I have suffered, and whatever troubles I am facing now, I can have this confidence, as it is written, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed, and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. That is certain. And for those who have been hurt, disheartened, bereft of loved ones, and are now perhaps aged and infirm, there is another wonderful promise. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steady. He will make us strong, no longer bowed down, but tall and straight and resolute. He will make us firm, no longer trembling, but moving freely, able to hold things, reach things, able to do things and accomplish things. He will make us steady, no longer wavering and stumbling, but clear in mind and standing securely on our feet. We will have the energy of youth and the wisdom of age, the beauty of youth and the mellowness of maturity. We will be complete. Then all that Jesus did for the bereaved of Galilee and Judea, he will do for us and more. So we read, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Coming on the clouds, Christ will once more stand on earth. Then, we are told, the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be transformed. For this decaying body must be clothed with health, this dying body must be clothed with immortality. Finding ourselves in a world made new, we will recognise many people there, familiar but wonderfully changed. How astonishing it will be! Some we knew as old men or women, now restored to the prime of life some who were ill, now enjoying perfect health, some who were disabled or deaf or blind, now made strong and well. Then, we are assured, the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. They shall be happy and glad forever, free from all sorrow and grief. Many years ago, 
a baby was born sadly disabled and died within a week. Her parents have never ceased to love their little girl, and even now they long for her. This is not a denial of reality, but an affirmation, for she is still tied into the bundle of their family. And although they never had the pleasure of watching her smile and learn to talk and run and play, and she never grew up to marry and have children of her own, she is still their child. When Jesus comes, he will bring her with him. Then they will embrace the daughter they have always longed to know, and find her full of life. Much they can tell her about the love of God, and much she will tell them. And then they will see with their own eyes that the Lord their God is good. Their faith was not in vain. It is written, The eternal God is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. We have seen this in so many ways. We studied his creation, so perfect in form and function, and so beautiful. Then we detected an alien intelligence endeavouring to wreck it. And we saw the damage permanently restricted and constantly repaired by the boundless compassion of the Creator. We saw that suffering is not what God planned or wished for his creation. A knowledge of evil was the desire and choice of humankind. And this broken world remains troubled and disordered because most of its inhabitants prefer it the way it is. Some are exploiting human weakness and promoting violent conflict for their own advantage. Few would want to change the way things are if it meant giving up what they have. So we do not see the Lord God doing what he would like to do in an ideal world. Throughout human history, he's been building with cracked bricks on trembling foundations. He's been caring for foolish people in a fragile environment with a devious adversary. But he's also been preparing humanity for a day when planet Earth will be renewed and restored to health. Then he will separate those who want it mended from those who do not. Powers of darkness may seem free to do their worst, but this is an illusion. We have seen that the Creator has absolute authority over all creation and allows only what he sees good reason to allow. For those of us who are bound in the bundle of the living, in the care of the eternal, every sorrow must give way to joy in this world or the next. The Lord God is the judge of all the earth, and his judgments fix people in the position they have chosen for themselves. Tragic catastrophes can work to save, or to sift, or to sweep clean, 
and usually leave the survivors in a better state than they were before. As the Lord God deals with collectivities, we saw that the innocent may suffer, but also that the blessing of an individual may benefit the whole. And we observed that there is usually freedom to join or leave a collectivity at any time. We are assured that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He leads us in safe paths, guiding our friends, restraining our enemies, instructing his angels and ensuring the fulfilment of everything he has planned for us in this world and the next. We witnessed the downward path of mankind's great enemy. We saw that Satan had no claim on Christ, and if we are in Christ, he has no claim on us. Secure in our spiritual armour, we hold fast to what is pure and true, never allowing the devil a foothold in our life. Deception we identified as the enemy's chief weapon, and teaching the truth as our best response. As Christ begins to draw all people to himself, we see captives being set free in every culture and nation. Day by day we experience the moving of his Spirit in us and around us, changing people for the better. We are learning how to overcome evil with patience and with love. In hard times we are more than conquerors, carrying a blessing out of every battle. Living by faith, we rejoice in the assurance that happier times yet lie ahead. As the world moves towards its final chaos, we know that powers of darkness will make one last fruitless bid to gain control. But then, we read, they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. As evil of every sort is burnt to ashes, an exquisite new creation will appear on the face of planet Earth. Then we will see what our God really wants to do in a perfect world, and we will do it with him. Every living thing will proclaim that the Lord is good. And if the old creation has taught us much, the new will teach us infinitely more. <laughs>